everyone. Welcome to the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is Dave Rowlands. I'm the head of content at B2B Marketing and Propolis, which is the global community for B2B marketers. And I'm joined today by one Ava Johnson, who is the marketing director at technology company Ultima. So Ava, welcome. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Good weekend? Very good weekend. Yeah, very good weekend. Got a little bit dirty and mucky in the garden. Other than that, <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> no, it was fine. It was good. Thank you. Good, good. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, the big rebrand that you've done at Ultima and some of the exciting work you've done on that front. Um, and I'm sure a number of other things in the world of marketing as well. Um, but before we do, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and Ultima? So, you know, what do you do and, and what do Ultima do? Mm. Um, So, as you said already, I'm the marketing director there, which basically means that I look after everything to do with touching the brand. So that's both internal and external. Um, And Ultima is a leading technology company, Mm -hmm. started out 30 years ago, the brainchild of one man, Mr. McNeil, Max (laughs) McNeil. And 30 years on, um, I guess that... With all the changes that are happening nonstop, particularly driven recently by the whole AI revolution, um, I guess we like to refer to ourselves as an expert-led, but also a startup. So a 30-year-old startup is the thing. Interesting. So I know that you've uh, recently done a big rebrand at Ultima. So what was the reasoning behind doing that? What, what made you want to do it in the first place? So um, I think that like many technology-led companies, and particularly where you have the unusual proportion of around about 70% of the people who are employed are actually literally accredited, certified, qualified IT experts, Mm. um, there is a tendency to not go out and tell your story in the way that it needs to be told. And I think that um, having having started a couple of years ago in looking around at where are the gaps that enterprise customers are actually experiencing, led and fueled by the rise in things like um, cyber attacks, ransomware attacks, um, the growth of the move towards cloud, the change in hybrid working, for example, um, where post-COVID a lot of individuals are now expecting to be able to do that 50-50 sort of work from home, work from the office. There are a lot of different changes that are being fueled by actually people Mm. and the way that we work and working practices. So um, Ultima started to look at what are the other kind of capabilities that we can bring in-house. So first of all, it was about a 24-7 follow the sun model. Because at the end of the day, let's face it, work never stops. (laughs) And uh, therefore, you need to have that sort of service element. So they bought a company called Just After Midnight. Yep. At the same time, the cyber area um, now being very much led by things like social engineering led them to acquire a company called The Antisocial Engineer. They'd already sort of changed up things like um, the automation side um, RPA, an element of AI over two and a half years ago by investing a lot of money into building something that they called Ultima Labs. Um, so those elements put together with the core proposition of managed services needed and opened up the opportunity to go out with a fresh story of what Ultima now stands for. 
So a new logo, obviously, is where everybody starts, right? They all start with, what's the logo going to be? And interestingly, um, it could have been uh, very much the same as many other technology companies do. But at that stage, I think that this was pre-me. I mean, I I came in and picked up on this and then sort of evolved this further. There was There's a, a logo that was put together, which ostensibly was supposed to stand for each part of the business, the, mm. the, the business mix. But the, when, I, when I first <laughs> saw it, I said, oh, so, you know, you're big on diversity then. And the CEO said, well, what do you mean? And, and I said, well, when I look at this logo, it looks like a little lady and a little man. And for some reason, they completely missed this. So mm. it was really interesting because there was an element of right from the very beginning that this is very much a people-led organisation as opposed to a technology-led organisation. And... Each of those little figures now, in terms of telling that story, it wasn't right at the time that I went in, at the, at the time that I went in, which is about a year ago now. It was about how do we find ways to engage with our existing audiences as well as reach out to a broader addressable market and use this opportunity to go out and tell this story in an engaging way. So at the time, it was you know, let's not play around too much with this logo. Yeah. Let's look at everything else. Let's bring everything else to life. But now, interestingly, there will be a second phase of this brand journey, which is going back into that, how does this logo become representative of the way that we work, the way that we want other people to work as a result? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, a, a people-led technology company, mm. that's, it's almost a bit of a, um, I can't think of the word, I'm not going to remember it on air, but it, that's a, an interesting thing. What do you mean by people-led organisation exactly? So um, I'll answer that question in a slightly different way, if you don't mind. Of course. So when I when I left uni and um, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, right, first of all, um, but I fell into marketing by complete accident. If you want me to tell you how, I will tell you how. But it was a, a complete accident. Um, and it involved a train, it involved children, it involved really tired parents. And it involved the fact that I sang Polish war songs to these children. Well, let's definitely, <laughs> I think we should go into this. Okay, tell us, how did you fall into marketing specifically? I happened to be on a train. I mean, I've kind of told you the story. I, I happened to be on a train and at a certain point, it was at Newbury actually, um, this very harassed set of parents got on with two absolute monsters of children who were probably about three and five at the time and they were overloaded with stuff I mean seriously and within about two seconds these these parents were clearly exhausted they fell asleep and these children were running riot up and down the corridors you can imagine yeah. and in the end I was wearing a bright red sweater I remember this and the little boy came over and he said I like your sweater he said you look like Santa Claus, which I didn't particularly <laughs> like at the time. But I did actually take them both in, sat them on my knee. The parents were only across the, across the way. And I sang to them and I told them stories. Mm. And at the end of the journey, which was a long journey, um, the parents were just, they woke up, they came and found their children. And um, the father sort of introduced himself and he asked me for my number. Because he said, you know, that he didn't have time to say thank you. It turned out that he was the marketing director of Xerox. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he said to me, if anybody can tame my children 
and tell them the sort of stories, then you will be the sort of person who can tell the story of our brand. That's that's fantastic. That's one of the best stories I've heard. It's a lot more interesting than I did a, a marketing degree at the yeah, University of Southampton. And yeah, I know, I know. So, so telling you that story is um, probably part of the answer because mm. right from the very beginning, whenever I think of a brand, I think of what I feel and what I experience when I touch that brand, whether it's buying a product, whether it is getting in touch or following something that they're doing or being involved in an event that Mm -hmm. has that brand as the main sponsor. And if the experience, which let's face it, is led by people is not right, then actually I'm going to go off it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think uh, quite often, you know, when you think of brand, you think of well, may- maybe as marketers we don't because we know there's more to it than that. But the average person in the street thinks of like, you know, the Nike swoosh or whatever. Yep. It's the colours, it's the look, it's the, the feel of it. But I actually think a brand experience is when you it's when you deal with the sales people there. It's when you deal with the customer success team. It's when you, uh, you know, you send a, a message to customer service. It's the kind of response you get back. And that's all to do with people. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that is crucial. Interestingly, something a word that's come up a few times already is stories. Mm-hmm. Is that something you felt this was about? It's about sort of telling the ultimate story as yes. opposed to let's just change the look. Yes, absolutely. Because we all respond to stories. We all do. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how young you are, how experienced you are. If the story engages you, um, then you're more likely to want to invest your time and effort into mm. it. Um a story that doesn't resonate or it doesn't make sense or I don't really understand it, you may well kind of engage on a short-term basis, but you won't do it for a longer-term basis because somebody else is going to come along and entice you away, right? Yeah. And I think it was interesting as well, just going back to the the point that you made about the Nike swoosh. Um, the swoosh on its own would mean nothing if it wasn't for the people that, you know, that brand put in front of it's the sports people, the ones that sort of like, like stood for high performance. And that's, that's again, it just goes back to the people. Funnily mm. enough, okay, it could come down to cash as well. But I don't think cash needs to be an inhibitor at no. all. I think it's about attitude. I think it's about approach. And I think it's about having the guts and the courage to do something different. Yeah. So how have you been able to sort of measure the success of this brand refresh? Because there's always been a conversation around you know, brand's really important, it's the most important thing of all, but actually measuring it is is quite a hard thing to do. So from your point of view, are there any sort of metrics you've put in place or, I don't know, you tell me. Yeah, and funnily enough, I would actually. So it's been a really, really short time. We Mm -hmm. only launched, for example, the the, um, supporting brand campaign at the beginning of July. And it was done deliberately in July and August because it is quite a brand um maverick approach for someone in our space um and i deliberately wanted it to go out in the summer when supposedly nobody works which actually at the end of the day is no longer true anyway and it was interesting because a year ago it had taken four years to get to a ten thousand follower base on linkedin Mm -hmm. and since the brand campaign and the refresh has happened since the beginning of the year, we're now at 21 and a half. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's so, so, you know, I feel that even though it's early days, this is, this is a, an initiative that's going to go on for at least 12 to 18 months. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the early indicators are that the message, the story, the people that we're putting in front of our audiences is resonating. Um, the the rise in the following is just meteoric. And yeah. every day we're seeing kind of like another 200, 300, which was unheard of mm. last year, uh, this time last year. We're also seeing things like conversations with existing customers are actually becoming a little bit different. So customers that have seen the brand um, story going out have actually started to ask about it, which is really good. We're finding that things like our consultancy area of the business is now really in high demand, higher demand than it was normally. So there are small indicators which also kind of there are some internal indicators we like many companies like most companies will do an employee experience survey fairly regularly as happens to be on a quarterly basis and the overall satisfaction levels again have gone to a much 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 higher level than they were last year probably doubled from last year so you know we're really pleased about that because i think that it's about A brand is about a community. A brand is about aspiration. A brand should give you that sense of, I think think my life could be better if I engage with this brand. Um, And for me, this is where, whether you're an internal customer, i.e. an employee, whether you're an external customer, or whether you're an external observer, so, you know, before you actually commit one way or the other, I think that if the story starts to appeal to you and you starts to engage not just your head i.e yeah. this is what this company does but actually the heart as in you know there's something kind of i quite like about this emotionally then i think that that starts to show success yeah it's something we touched upon um before we hit record actually but y- you mentioned the, the whole thing about the employee satisfaction mm. going up which is fantastic and i guess something i, I raised was that this is a brand um you know refresh for the clients obviously but in many ways it's also a bit of like an employee brand piece as well right it is very much so it really is because you know look it's tough out there you know the economy is not great the stories that we hear every day are bad news stories because that's the way that we get people to engage with bad news stories it's very rare to get good news stories that engages people um i think that talent the war on talent is an ongoing theme all the time there isn't a day that there isn't some kind of a discussion about um about skills shortage the lack of people the lack of the right people and even when you get what you think are the right people that doesn't necessarily mean it's you know plain sailing all the way so i think that um the best form of reference is to have individuals that already work there that are willing to go out and talk in the pub about what a great week they had you know or some really cool stuff that's happening um because we tend to forget that you know every person that we talk to could be a you know a referral to something else yeah so it's really important um and for me I think the whole idea of bringing together this organization under one story, but that has got so many different facets to it, is really important. Yeah, I did some work the other day, and um, and I actually sort of with our CEO Scott, we we try to count up the amount of disciplines. I call them disciplines in the organization. 
And we got to over 48 disciplines. And that was before we went into the capabilities pit. So right. what I'm saying is disciplines being, you know, what it what is it that you actually physically do yeah. from professional services to consulting to advisory to whatever else. Um, and it's really hard to put all of that together in a way that doesn't make somebody's eyes glaze over. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the workplace is becoming more complicated? Because yeah. this is something I, I'm hearing, but I, frankly, you know, I've got limited experience. I'm, I'm 29. Um, I've been in the workplace for, you know, eight years or whatever. But it does feel like work is getting increasingly complicated with the amount of functions. Now, like the, the, the possibility that technology adds is obviously incredible, but it's also complicated. So is that something you've experienced? I think it's complicated because nobody really wants to talk about it. Mm. That's what I think. I think that, you know, there is there is still a sense of how do you create a culture where you can openly talk about the concerns that you have or the fact that I didn't understand a word you just said there. Mm. So this is one of the things that I'm teaching my team who are generally speaking a bit younger than you are. And, you know, I, I saw when, when I first walked in that, you know, <laughs> they'd sit and listen to a whole load of techies talking about, or they'd be talking about processes, or they'd be talking about, and I could see in their eyes, they had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And sometimes you have to sort of take the lead yourself. And I'm not, I'm not concerned at all in sort of saying, well, okay, that was, that sounded amazing, but actually I didn't understand a word you just said. Could you put it into simple language for me? Because honestly, I have no idea what you've just been talking about for the past five minutes. And it's really interesting because it's a measure of, I think, generosity, maturity, culture, um, all the kind of like the right things that you want to be surrounded by. If someone actually, you know, does stand back and say, oh my God, okay, let me just, yeah, you're right. Yeah. As opposed to bristle and make you feel worse because actually you've laid yourself open a little bit here. Yeah. You've actually admitted that after all these decades of being, you know, in business, you still don't understand RPA, for example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's true, though. I mean, I, I also think when you ask those questions, which, which it takes a degree of bravery to ask them, I think most people in the room also sort of like silently are thanking you. Like, thank God, because I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um but yeah, I think that kind of openness is only a good thing. Let's get back to the uh, the brand, though, because I know that's what we're really here to talk about. So in terms of like the actual nitty gritty of, of the brand refresh, how did you actually make people the centre of it? Because I don't think that's something we've touched on just yet. Um, so first of all, um, I, I did something very brave within the first 24 hours of actually getting into Ultima which was they had already been working on it for a little while, about mm. six, seven, eight months. And I walked in and I went, oh, no. <laughs> no, we're not going to be doing that. We yep. are not going to do that. So I think your word of bravery and having vision and being, being willing to put yourself on the line is really important. Um, and I did that within 24 hours. Mm. What it did for me was it actually opened up a lot of conversations where I suddenly, as the person that nobody knew, was the person that a lot of different individuals in the organisation came to and said, thank God you did that, because that really didn't represent us and I didn't really want to say anything because, you know, marketing people know better. <laughs> and as a result of that, it opened up a different 
dialogue to the one that I was necessarily thinking of doing. Mm. Um, and it gave me the opportunity to understand that the true differentiation of this organisation was actually not the 48 disciplines or 75 disciplines that the organisation... Yes, of course, we do that. But it was the unusual mix of people who, in an organisation in this space, it is unusual to have, number one, people with so much longevity... Mm. Number two, to have such high accreditations and um, respect from vendors because, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to push the product, right? Um, Thirdly, sort of the amount of certifications and the amount of ongoing learning and the amount of trust, lastly, that there is in the organizations that we serve was quite humbling to a certain degree. And then what sealed it for me was that there are some real characters. There are some real personalities. Mm. And a few of them spoke in a language that I totally understood. And as someone, I know that sounds unusual, but as someone who actually has spent probably three quarters of my life in technology in one way or another, with a little blip in finance and a bigger blip in beauty, beauty, um, and the charity sector, you know, I, hey... I leave the the technical conversations to the techies. But here is an organisation where actually it's quite interesting to listen to them because all of a sudden they're making it really clear and plain and simple. And for that reason, that's why I thought no one's done this. No one's been brave enough to put their people front and centre. Why? Because in a world where skills shortages are so acute Mm. everyone's terrified that they're going to lose their staff to someone else but there is a human element the humanization of technology the humanization of business the humanization of intelligence and the ability to be able to apply thinking not on the provider's part but on the part of the customer that you're trying to help which I think is right now. Yeah. Why? Because of AI. Yeah. That just happens to be an additional thing. The fear-mongering that AI is going to take over, we're going to be put into our little boxes in the <sighs> corner and we're just going to have you know little sticks to kind of like prod the AI machine. Yeah. I think that's rubbish. And I think most of us do think that's rubbish. Apart from the fact that I do accept completely that those people who use AI-enabled facilities are going to get ahead of the ones that don't. Yeah. Is it something you're looking at in terms of implementing it in your business currently, or is it something you think, do you know what, I keep an eye on it, but I'm not personally going to be doing anything just yet? So Ultima's already been ahead of the game for the past two years anyway. Um, So Delivered was known, actually, for automation experience, which kind of is the same yeah. thing, really. Um, God, I hope Scott isn't listening to this. He'll kill me for saying that. But, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, it is. It's about kind of implementing automated processes against certain triggers of data, information, or um, otherwise. Mm. Um, and I personally, when I discovered ChatGPT... I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I can get the start of a piece of content, and it's only the start, and this is why I believe that 
that's what it's there to do. It's there to give you a jump start. It's there to take the heavy lifting away. It's there to go and seek and look out for the right kind of content that you need at the time. Mm. But I would never put something out that was just generated by a, you know an ai driven technology yeah. because it needs that in, that human intelligence to be able to look at whether the message is correct to put in the specific insights that, that are you know that are special to yeah. your organization or to the organization that you're trying to communicate with um, and certainly in terms of the 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 new technologies that are coming down the line um, from some of our vendors, for example, there's been an awful lot in, you know, in the certainly the channel press around Microsoft and Microsoft's co-pilot coming very soon. Um, we think that we have um, a bit of a jump start mm. because we've already been in this market for two and a half years. Yeah. So you've got an incredible opportunity there because of that extra experience you've got. Mm. I guess my question is, the rebrand has gone really well. Um, you know, that even just that one stat around the, the LinkedIn followers says a lot. But what's next? Because obviously no company stays still. So over the next two years, what are you looking at and how are you planning on getting there from a marketing point of view? So we will continue to um, elevate the stories. Um, there's a lot of, there are different pillars of uh, the capabilities that we have. Each are going to be represented by an individual who will tell the story and how they're involved. Mm -hmm. But I think there's, what I really want to move towards is not just focusing on ourselves, <laughs> because I think that there does come a point when you kind of think, oh God, you know, another another sort of self-effacing story. We don't want that. Yeah. You know, it has to stay fresh. It has to stay ahead of the curve. I think there's a lot of opportunities to sort of bring in customer stories, but not to the point of um, endorsement. It's more around, as a partner, is giving with generosity. Yeah. We've already started to look at how we can do that. If and, and, and let me tell you a wonderful story now. I am going to tell you a wonderful story. Please do. So one of our customers is um, in the public health sector. And during COVID, um, we have a group of people who are stationed actually in their major premises. And when that person was asked, kind of, well, why did you do that? You know, during COVID, during lockdown, instead of being with your family, you know, you were you were kind of like sitting there. And this person said that this organization had given him the most precious things that he had in his life, which was his children. They were born there. And as a result of that, you know, he would sit no matter what to kind of keep things going because he wanted other people to experience the same joy and fulfillment that he had got. And I found that an amazing story of commitment. They weren't, you know, he and his team weren't being paid anymore. Technically, they were putting themselves at risk. Yeah. But actually, they did it because there was a bigger message to put out there and I think that that is one of the the major things that the brand has to tell our brand promise I guess is um to instill resilience and reputational health for our customers through the work that we do for them mm. um and that's really taken very seriously if we can go out and help to to I don't know, provide some 
some ways that our customers can equally grow and become, you know, more commercially sound through promoting the work that they do in the right way, then I think that's the right, the ethical thing for the brand to do. Yeah, because it's not about convincing people to part ways no. their money. It's about showing them how you can help them, yeah. help them make more money. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about it's about kind of helping to co-promote the good things that British companies are actually doing. This is a British company at the end of the day. And I think that there is a lot to be said for um, having some responsibility and accountability for that. Um, and I think the organisation is small enough to do that as a collective, but it's also big enough to have some impact. Fantastic. Well, Ava, I think that's a wonderful place to leave it. So oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.